Welcome to the podcast. This is episode number 19, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. I sat down with Kaylee Reed today. Uh, she is a freelancer who started off as CEO of a startup. She spent three years there, and now she has evolved into a freelancer who helps pair up brands and influencers with valuable and authentic collaborations. She spent time as an influencer, and she learned some of the the ways that brands are trying to put together these collaborations, and sometimes they they don't go about it the right way, or as everyone is learning, um, there are certain ways to email people, to connect with people, expectations and everything that comes with influencer marketing. And now she is on the other side and helping brands put together those types of valuable and authentic campaigns just from her experience from being on the other side of it. So it's really interesting to hear her perspective of being the CEO of a startup of a fashion line and having influencers come to her and then becoming her own influencer with her own Instagram and now uh, running, not necessarily an agency, but uh, running her own business that helps uh, put together really good and useful influencer campaigns that will make the influencer and the brands happy. Um, We connected over... uh, Country Liberty, which is a brand that I will actually interview in an upcoming podcast, but she connected us uh, through Instagram and she came to Canmore on a retreat for the brand. So we got to know each other over those three days and uh, she moved back to Calgary. So now she's around and we do have a lot in common that we are both freelancers. We don't necessarily want to be the CEO and managing people, but we enjoy the flexibility of being able to run our own business and so on this podcast and interview she shares her tips on starting her own business and how other people can take what she's learned to start their own business and what it's like running a startup she shares why she ultimately left the company even though it was huge it was featured on websites like people and mtv and hello giggles Um, and then we also dive into influencer marketing and what she's learned from being on both sides of a collaboration. She shares advice for people who want to get into the influencer space and why she actually thinks the algorithm is a good thing, even though sometimes we all want to quit Instagram because of it. Uh, This is a great interview for people who want to become an influencer, who are confused about influencer marketing, who have a business that want to get into influencer marketing. Um, I think we really dive into what's real about it and how how both sides feel in this type of marketing, which I think is still so new, and how to navigate Instagram on top of that. So let's dive into it. This is Kaylee Reed. I'm sitting here today with Kaylee. Do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I currently am working in influencer marketing, and I'm also a social media manager for a few e-commerce brands. Um, Prior to this year, I was running digital marketing at a fashion e-commerce startup for four years, and that's kind of how I got my foot into this world. Uh, I grew up in Calgary, outside of Calgary. I always say Calgary because everybody that... I know in my current life is from the East Coast. I've been living in the East Coast for seven years, um, but I just moved back to Calgary. I grew up in Olds, Alberta, so people from here will know that it's not (laughs) Calgary. (laughs) 
but yeah, I grew up in small town Alberta. I left as fast as I could after graduating high school. I wanted to get the heck away. <laughs> and I took a leadership degree in university, traveled a lot, um, accidentally kind of got into the startup space, never thought that I would be in the business world, always was very interested in politics and philosophy and somehow ended up here because I became really passionate about fashion and the way that business can create social good. And so that's how I got here, I guess. Cool. <laughs> no, that's a whirlwind back and forth. Um, so do you want to start with the company you started when you were 20 yeah. and talk about the startup world and your experience with that? Yeah, so uh, in university, I struggled with my mental illness a lot. Um, I had depression, I developed an eating disorder, and I started volunteering with a mental health organization. And through that, I met a lot of young people who were also struggling with mental health issues. And this was like four or five years ago, maybe four years ago now. Um, so even in the past four years, the stigma and the stigma around mental health has gotten a lot better. Uh, there's things like Bell Let's Talk, it's kind of becoming everywhere in the media, 13 Reasons Why, like it's becoming a conversation, but even four years ago, it was something that I found was really not talked about. And so through my personal experiences, um, I was also one of those people that didn't talk about my mental health at all, like not even with my family, my parents didn't know. And it got to a point where it was really bad and I was in and out of treatment throughout university. Uh, and through volunteering with this mental health organization, I realized that there was a gap in the industry and that there had to be a way to talk more positively about mental health and mental illness without it being clinical or more depressing or academic. And had also been really interested in fashion for a long time. So my friend and I uh, kind of co-founded, well, started as a school project uh, in a social entrepreneurship class. And we basically wanted to create a clothing line to raise awareness for mental health and give back to mental health charities and initiatives. And so we did that, uh, got a great grade in the class. And then when I graduated from university, uh, there was an opportunity to apply to a business accelerator program. And we basically were told that we should apply and that there wasn't a lot of people applying, so we should just get on that. And there was a lot of funding available. And we're like, okay. So at this point, I had... Uh, been accepted to do my master's in at Parsons uh, in New York and I was going to study uh, fashion theory, the way that fashion and psychology kind of work together and I decided to take the summer to apply to this accelerator. We got accepted. Uh, we got funding to basically make this project into a real business and before I knew it I was like running a quote-unquote company. <laughs> um, we were making our first line of clothes. We had a website, we were selling to people all across Canada and I never really planned for that to happen. It just kind of happened. And so I told myself I would give myself a year and if nothing came from it, I would just go back to school and do my, my masters. And so I put off Parsons and spent all my time working on this startup. I didn't get a part-time job, which 
looking back, I wish I would have because when you're starting a company, you literally have no money. So we got startup loans, um, taught ourselves how to screen print, how to sew. We were like doing all the prototyping ourselves. We were making a lot of the clothes ourselves. Uh, I taught myself how to design a website, how to do social media marketing, because that was all stuff that like I wasn't learning in school. And after nine months, nothing had really happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so poor. I'm so broke. And we're not making any sales. We maybe made like three sales a week. I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I need to go back to school. But before I decided to fully give up, I was like, well, maybe if we just got featured in press, this could be something because I saw a lot of cool press stories that were coming out around mental health, specifically in BuzzFeed, Hello Giggles. Uh, there was a lot of like social enterprises like Tentree that were becoming really popular then. And I was like, I feel like there's something here. So I spent a month basically finding email addresses and the Twitter handles of like bustle reporters and BuzzFeed editors. And I just cold reached out to so many people. I found Harrow, which I don't know if you use Harrow, but it's like, it's a source for journalists. So every day they essentially say what they're writing about. And if you are a source for that, you can pitch them. So there's editors from like peopletoday.com, BuzzFeed that are all looking for sources for their stories through this like free resource. So I was pitching people all day, every day. And finally we got a call back from today.com and uh, they wanted to feature us. They wanted to feature our story and how two people with mental illness were creating this business to raise awareness and give back. And what I didn't understand at the time is how press works. So I didn't realize that once you get featured in one site, it's like every other major publication wants to feature the same story because it's like hot and buzzy. So within like 48 hours, we had been on People and MTV and BuzzFeed and Seventeen Magazine, like so many articles. We had like hundreds of thousands of people on the site. We had like thousands of new social media followers, thousands of back orders that like we couldn't fill. And that was kind of the turning point where I was like, okay, this is something like this has something behind it. So from there, um, just continue to grow the brand like more sustainably. We partnered with a lot of really cool organizations, uh, did stuff with We Day, did stuff with like mental health organizations. And after three years, I was running a team of seven, six or seven, and had kind of become like this quote unquote CEO, which in the startup world is kind of a joke title because <laughs> you're still doing so much of everything, but you need to have a title. Um, and I just realized that it wasn't the job that I wanted. Like I had never gone to business school. I had never hoped to be a manager of other people. It was incredibly stressful. It was emotionally stressful. I became this like full-time mental health advocate who was traveling across North America and speaking at schools and it was the coolest experience but I was just so drained and so burnt out from it so after 
after, I guess it was after like three years of doing it full time, I decided to leave the startup. And that was a really big decision because my name and my face had kind of been like a big part of the storyline for a long time. Um, But I left and I moved to a new city and I broke up with my boyfriend and I cut my hair and I did about all the things that you can do to change everything in your life within like a month's period. Um, And I had no idea what I wanted to do next, but I had learned so much kind of like grassroots DIY startup PR, Instagram growth hacking, like all of those things relative to e-commerce brands. And so I started getting like a lot of inquiries from people who wanted me to consult for their brand, to put together strategies for them. And that's how I just fell into the freelance world. Um, And then from there, I became really interested in influencer marketing because I started getting inquiries to work with brands. And I saw a lot of brands like not understanding what influencers wanted. Um, And so I kind of fell into this role of like connecting the dots between influencers and the brands I was working with. And that has since evolved into my full-time thing. Wow. That was like a long that story. Was, but <laughs> no, that was awesome. That's crazy. Before we get into talking about influencer marketing, because yeah. that's really I guess why we're here, yeah. um, does your does the clothing brand still exist today? Um, like, I think so. So I haven't. I like, when I left, it was really, I don't want to say like traumatic, but it was like a sad experience because I felt like I was losing like a huge part of my identity so when I left I basically said like I don't want to be involved at all anymore and they went through like a big rebranding process over the past year Um, they did a partnership with like Hudson's Bay and Saks in May but I don't know if they're still active now so I honestly like can't comment on it (laughs) um and for people who want to start their own business since now you started one and ended one all in the time period um what advice would you give people who want to start a business oh my gosh besides telling them not to do it what Uh, other advice (laughs) um besides not doing it honestly just do it because if you take too much time to plan, to overthink, to want things to be like perfect before you launch, it's so easy to just never do it. And if I would have taken the amount of time that most people probably should take before they start a business, I don't think it ever would have happened. Like I think the fact that it happened really accidentally was almost a blessing because I couldn't think too hard about it. And then once I was in it, I was like, okay, we just gotta make it work and make it happen. Um, I think I see a lot of my peers and a lot of people on Instagram who talk about wanting to like follow this entrepreneurial dream but then never do it because it's really scary and it is but it's like if you're gonna do it just do it yeah (laughs) don't make excuses for yourself just do it yeah and what has the transition been like besides now that you're in like a new city again with like a whole bunch of other changes do you miss having like an office with a team like now you're just a freelancer with like the flexibility do you ever miss it um hmm. there's aspects that I miss I kind of miss like having ownership over the stuff that I'm working on so right now I have maybe like eight or nine clients and I love all of the brands that I work with but none of it's mine 
And so that's kind of why I also started my own podcast so that I had something that was like my own passion project. But honestly, like I really love working alone. Like one of the reasons why I realized I was not cut out to be a CEO is because I don't like being the boss of other people. It's really hard, like especially when other people are really awesome people and you just want to be friends with them. I would much rather be in a situation where I can be like friendly and collaborative with with those people than have to be their manager. So I'm really glad that I made the choice I did. Yeah. (laughs) No, I fully understand. I'm in the same boat that I would rather just have enough clients for myself rather than have to hire other people and then not get to do client work, just have to like manage people. I know. Yeah. It's not as fun. It's not. (laughs) And you need flexibility where no one's like wondering where you are. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So let's get into social media. Uh, So what do you love most about social media? Let's just start at the basics since you're now involved, obviously. Okay. Well... I love that I've made so many friends through social media. Like, I literally wouldn't be sitting here with you unless it was for Instagram because that was the only way that I found you and connected with you and was able to, like, work with you and now meet with you and do stuff like this. So I think that's the best thing is just the kinds of relationships you can create offline that can start from being online. Right. Totally. I completely agree. And so what was your journey to becoming an influencer yourself through your own Instagram? Mm, So when I uh, was still part of the company, we had like a decent following. It was maybe like 30,000-ish followers on Instagram. And because I was kind of the face behind Instagram stories and a lot of that, I grew my following, not to anything crazy, but to like 6,000 followers. So I think around like the 5,000 mark, I started getting brands approaching me uh, to do collaborations. And I never really wanted to position myself as an influencer or a blogger, even though I had a blog and I wrote a lot about my mental health and self-love and advocacy and those types of things. Um, But what I noticed with brands that were reaching out to me was that a big reason that they were reaching out was because of this like mental health advocacy platform that I'd built and it wasn't just like another fashion blogger taking photos of their outfits so I had a lot of like socially conscious brands reaching out a lot of local brands who like resonated with the things that I was saying and they wanted that to be aligned with their brand versus just like pretty photos because I'm not the best content creator like I love creating content but it's not my strongest skill set but I think that's just how things grew really organically for me and then I found little like tips and tricks along the way of like you know collaborating with other influencers and you know if you're tagging each other then their followers see you and tagging brands that I'm not even collaborating with but like getting reposted to accounts that have like 200 or 500,000 followers and then you see a spike in like a couple hundred followers that day so there's been little things but it's something that I haven't honestly focused on a lot which I think is interesting because I know a lot of people in the influencer space want to be influencers full-time and are always looking on like how to grow their platform so that they can get to that point but for me it's kind of like a fun thing (laughs) so I'm not too worried about it but I think it's also like given me an interesting perspective in working with brands and influencers and like seeing both sides because I have been on both sides now right did you have like an experience or a certain collaboration that you did 
that made you realize that brands are doing influencer marketing wrong or you just wanted to oh my gosh. <laughs> or a couple examples so <laughs> like that's how you grew into your like freelancing job now <laughs> yeah um I mean you would get these all the time too but I get all these messages from brands that are like oh we want to collaborate and they don't actually have something that's like mutually beneficial that they want to collaborate on it's like why would I spend my time advertising for you when I'm getting nothing in return and I think because the market's becoming so oversaturated now and there's like so many quote-unquote micro influencers that brands can do that and there's a lot of people that will just say yes because they like want to be considered an influencer but for the people that actually have real followers and like real engagement and actually put in the time to create content and don't buy fake likes and like all these things they're getting ripped off a lot of times by brands and brands are like taking advantage of the landscape right now um and so I was just kind of like bummed out that a lot of my friends who were super creative and actually influential like actually had influence over the people that followed them were kind of getting like ripped off by brands uh I had one experience with L'Oreal I've worked with them like maybe three times now and we kind of talked about this before too but every time that I worked with them I realized like I would talk to my other influencer friends that were also working with them and we realized that they just were paying some influencers and not others even though we basically had very similar followings in some cases like people with more followers were not getting paid and people with less followers were. And I was just like, who is making these decisions around who's getting paid and who's not? Like, why are they not being transparent about the budget? Why is there so many like weird things going on behind the scenes? It just felt icky. Um, And so from the brand perspective, I also have had like poor experiences working with influencers where we're paying them or we're sending the free product and it's like not at all what you expect or they ghost or like something shitty happens so from both of those ends i like understand the frustration and i also see so much value in both ends like influencers can be so valuable for brands if it's the right fit if it's the right timing like all of these things and I think just the more that I got immersed in it the more I became frustrated enough to want to kind of change it um I mean I'm not in a kind of position where I want to start like the ultimate influencer agency to end all agencies because there's too many agencies now like it's getting insane But I love consulting on both ends because I feel like so much of the mistakes that happen are just from being ignorant on what like both parties want. And so influencers sometimes ask too much and brands sometimes ask too much. And it just takes somebody to say, hey, guys, like, here's what's realistic. Here's what you can expect. Here's why you're getting paid this amount. Here's what your numbers actually mean. Like this is what the ROI actually is. And nobody's really doing that right now. They're just like giving free product everywhere and hoping that it, yeah, that something sticks. No, I, I fully appreciate it. I think it's good that you have been on the other side because I think a lot of like the PR, like no, no offense to them and all the people that are working there, but they come from the one side. Cause if I, I look up everybody who emails me, like the PR Mm -hmm. company, I try to find the person Mm -hmm. and most of them don't have 
an Instagram account or don't, you know, you're just like, well, how do you, how do you even know? Yeah. Like they have a private Instagram account with like a hundred followers and you're like, uh, you literally don't understand this world. Exactly. (laughs) So you can't expect me to like take this photo or do this or whatever without understanding both sides of it. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. Actually super interesting kind of side note. My friend in Toronto, um, is a fashion designer and she used to work with influencers from the designer side and she's now pivoted and started a podcast and she's becoming like a fashion personality and ever since she started branding herself as that she's getting all these influencer requests and people wanting to send her product and like do all these things and she messaged me this week and she was like oh my gosh Kaylee I finally understand the influencer side she was like there's so much pressure to create content there's so many things that I didn't understand from the brand perspective that now I get and I was like this is so good right it is good because even when you from the other side you don't like it's a lot of work to make like the content and like yeah. take a piece of clothing that someone sent you and like somehow fit it into, into your, your yeah into your feet which like you didn't buy it in the first place so like you have to make it fit with like things that you're wearing uh and it's, it's very interesting and I feel like everyone's learning like it's hard because nobody really understands the space anyway so we're mm-hmm. all learning like influencer yeah. learning brands are learning PR company, like everyone's learning yeah but now that we've been in it for a couple years and like people should know better yeah. we need more people like you to really like yeah. make that connection yeah for both there's of them. it's it's yeah, I could rant about this all day. <laughs> there's so many things about this. But there's always, like, a few that just kind of ruin it for everybody else. Totally. Really. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is that it's such an easy entry point to the industry. Like, to become an influencer, you can just buy 10,000 followers and then, you know, use engagement pods and, like, you're an influencer. Right. Which anybody who actually understands can like see that they bought those followers and use tools to like audit their following but a lot of brands aren't doing that and so that's running in on that side and then on the PR side I'm seeing so many agencies just promising too much to brands um, up front and then the brands are like oh that's a sweet deal like for example massive corporation not gonna name names but I think you might know who I'm talking about who is Chinook and uh Cross Iron, the Ambassadors yes. program, yes. Oh my gosh. And they say, oh, we don't have a budget to pay influencers. We don't have a budget. And the agency is not even based in this country. They're in Denmark. So they literally don't even, like, they're not even here. And then they're also, like, paying other influencers without paying their ambassadors and expecting too much. It's just, like, so strange. And I had people that were really upset at this brand for not paying influencers, but I was like, you know what? It's not the brand's fault. The agency is the one that pitched the brand and said, we can get you all of these impressions, all of this reach for zero influencer spend. We're just going to set them up with free product. That's our promise to you. The brand says yes, and then the agency goes off, right? So it's very frustrating it is frustrating <laughs> totally and like being the, like where you're now expected to make all this content because yeah. I am dealing with a campaign right now that the initial ask now that we've been in it for a couple months is a lot different than what I now have to do mm-hmm. because they're like oh well you already signed the contract so yeah. you have to do this this and this I'm like yeah. well no like <laughs> I don't I don't want to <laughs> like we didn't talk yeah. about it so yeah. yeah I think there's miscommunication and expectations that are way off that yeah. we just need 
we need someone like you, like a better <laughs> middleman between the brands and the influencers who understand like yeah. both sides. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for people who want to be an influencer after listening to all of that, <laughs> do you think that anybody can be an influencer is the first question. I have this chat with like so many people. Um, yes and no. I think that it's really easy if you were to dedicate the time and like actual like actual time I'm not talking like an hour a day on Instagram like if you genuinely dedicate the time just like anything like think about how much time you put into school for four years if you put that amount of time into becoming an influencer for four years yeah I think probably anybody could do that um but I don't think everybody should be an influencer I think there's a lot of people that, you know what, it's okay to just have a thousand followers or 5,000 or 10,000 followers and not be a celebrity online. Like, why do you want that anyways? I think would be my question. Is it because you enjoy photography and you want to share that and you want to be paid to share that and so you want brand deals and the only way to get that is through being an influencer? Okay. Is it because you want free stuff? Well, that's okay. That's a whole other ball game. Um, so yeah, I think probably anybody could be an influencer if they really, really wanted to and they put in the time and they had some semblance of personality and good looks. <laughs> but I don't think everybody should want to be. And I think if everybody continues to try to be, there's not really, I think the whole industry is gonna collapse and go back to like the celebrity industry like celebrities being the original influencers right because i i don't see how else it would be sustainable if everybody is an influencer right we're all trying to just influence each other yeah i <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the people that do have what it takes to be an influencer and who want to put in effort uh what are some like couple steps or tips that you can give them to like get it going it now um, in like a saturated market yeah I mean, I think niching down is so important. I see so many people who, like, just start a lifestyle blog and start, you know, sharing everything about their life. And it's, like, the only reason that lifestyle bloggers are interesting is because they're already famous and people want to see the behind the scenes of their life. If you're not famous, most people don't care. Like, like if you're not Jillian Harris, nobody cares about your day-to-day, like, baby cleaning. Exactly. It's, like... That's just the reality. And so I think like producing some sort of content that people actually care about to get you to the place where you have enough influence that you can be sharing more of those like behind the scenes, everyday vlogging, whatever things that are more influencer-ish is important. So just like create good content, which is like, that's why, you know, it's hard because not everybody can do that not everybody has the time to do that or the skills or you know learn photoshop but even then learn how to create a movie even then right go on youtube for a minute and see how many like (laughs) how many uploads there are videos every day yeah so i don't know find some sort of niche i think that's honestly why i kind of became like i i grew my following the way that i did is because i was just talking about mental health and self-love constantly and I saw like when I when I stopped talking about that as much my engagement dropped because that's what my followers came to me for but I was done with like making that my entire identity and so I think that's the other thing is like 
if you are building your influence around one niche or on one platform, like what happens when things change? Like what happens when the algorithm changes? What happens if YouTube shuts down? Like, are you still an influencer? Do you still have a job? Right. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's, you mentioned the algorithm. So yeah. let's briefly touch on the algorithm. Yeah. I feel like it's the buzzworthy yeah. word. How do you feel about it? What's your thoughts on it? How to navigate it? I mean, <laughs> I understand it. Like I, to the, I say that lightly. I understand why they made the changes because if you actually break it down, it makes sense. Um, If your content is engaging and a lot of people engage with it quickly, more people are going to see it versus everybody seeing everything. And I think a big reason why they had to change it is because if you look at how many people all of us are following now, like I follow 1,300 people. If I saw every single post in my timeline, in the time that it was posted, like my po- my feed would not stop. It would yeah. be too much and everything would be lost. And so it makes sense. Um, I think what it's doing is it's forcing people to be more strategic and you know careful about the content that they put out rather than just posting whatever and you know hoping that it sticks so I think in a way it's good um I don't know I I was mad about it too when it changed I think everybody was but I think if you just like learn to understand it you can use it to your advantage and I see so many people whose engagement has skyrocketed since because they've like so carefully curated how they post and made sure they only post their like 100% best content and every time it outperforms everything. So it forces people to be more curated, but in a way that's good because we're not just posting fluff all the time. Right. And then it makes you like stand out a little bit more. It's like why people, why would people want to see this piece of content as opposed to like the billions of other pieces of content? Because even for me, like, with the algorithm, I've now reached posts that get more than a thousand likes, which has never happened before. But it's only like every once in a while, I'm like, okay, how do I create that again? Like, you know, so it's like almost just like a challenge to yeah. myself to be like, how can I be better? How do I create better content? Because yeah. clearly it can happen. Mm-hmm. And then some days it doesn't happen. <laughs> but like, and that's when you're mad at the but, algorithm. Yeah, but, but, it's, but it's all like, there's so much data now behind every post that if you go on and check, Um, you know the insights if you have a business account the insights behind each post you can see like how many people found you through hashtags how many people that are following you saw your post like who saw it from explore feed and so you can use all that to your advantage to create the best posts and like beat the algorithm or like use the algorithm to your advantage it's just people that are not wanting to do that extra work that are annoyed by it I think Um, which is fair but it's not 100% 100% an evil thing. Right. Well, we, we all are dealing with it. It's not like only yeah. some people have the algorithm. Yes, exactly. Don't, so. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So true. And I think the people that do want to like, be an influencer take it seriously, like, it, it, it takes a lot more work. Like, yeah, you have to look at the data. You can't just take like, pretty mm-hmm. photos in the new library and expect it to, like, to happen because everyone's yeah. here taking photos. Like, literally, yeah. there was a girl standing outside of our room taking Instagram <laughs> photos of the library. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It, it's. It's a business, right? It's like being business. an influencer is a business. Yeah. And I think this is one of the biggest reasons why there's like so much confusion around it right now is because 
some people aren't treating it that way. Right, but I think people think you're still posting, like, your life, and it should still yeah. be, like, and it is genuine, but it's a business, so it needs yeah. to be curated in a genuine way. Yes, yeah. Which, I, like you said, people don't really understand it, and most people aren't. We forget that people aren't necessarily as invested in Instagram and influencers mm-hmm. as we are. Mm-hmm. Like, even being on the retreat that we were just on <laughs> with eight people, like, all we talked about was Instagram for three days. Like, yeah. that's not normal. People don't normally <laughs> yeah. do that. I know, I know. And so we just have to, like, remind ourselves that there are people who are, like, coming into this space or, like, don't really understand how it works, that, mm-hmm. that it is a business and we're mm-hmm. all focused. We went on a tr- retreat for literally Instagram. Yeah. Basically. To create content. We spent three days like creating content because that was so cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the effort that you have to like put yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Um, who speaking of other influencers, who are your favorite bloggers and Instagrammers to follow? Oh. Um wow, great question. I wonder who I wonder who comes up first in my Instagram feed. Honestly, most of my favorite influencers are friends like I don't follow for somebody that works in influencer marketing I don't follow a ton of celebrity influencers because I just don't really care about their lives to be honest (laughs) but I have a lot of friends that have like become influencers and now they are some of my favorite people to follow so like Allie Beckwith is one friend from the east coast and she's been doing this like full-time for a while now um she's really cool who comes up first in my explore feed jay who we were just on the retreat (laughs) with um i think i'm like getting more into the youtuber space now too which is interesting to me because i don't work with any youtubers at all um but i'm becoming really interested in that space so i'm trying to like find more people and like understand it better because i see so much value in video versus just static feed posts um so yeah yeah there's so much to explore i feel and that's like a whole like so many youtubers don't even like do instagram so now you Mm -hmm. open yourself up to like Mm -hmm. so many and podcasters too like there's so many quote-unquote influencers that actually influence people that don't have a hundred thousand followers on instagram but they're big on other platforms which is really cool to me. Yeah. And right. I think there needs to be like more Instagrammers that are diversifying themselves because I had a really good talk about this. This is, I don't want to go too far on a tangent, but I had a good talk about this with my friend who works in PR in Hollywood and she has for like 30 years or whatever. And uh, she basically said like, the reason that celebrities are still considered influencers is because they exist as influencers outside of any platform. People still know their name without having to know their Instagram handle, right? And so I think that's what people who are becoming influencers should focus on is like, how do I influence people outside of one specific platform? Because that's how you know you've made it. If you can like diversify to that point that it doesn't matter if Instagram shuts down or if YouTube shuts down, if there's an algorithm change, you still have a fan base that is going to follow you wherever you go. Right. And I think that is important. I think, like you just said, like, when you see, like, you saw a celebrity on the street, you know who they are and you want to know what they're wearing. You Like, mm-hmm. all yeah. of those things yeah. where I think people forget that it doesn't exist just online. Like, mm-hmm. so in your own city or wherever you are, like, go out and meet people. Like, make friends and meet the people that are following you or who you follow and yeah. whatever. I think that builds, like, 
an even stronger community because people, especially if you are like, for me, I'm, I'm a very like Calgary-based person, but if people didn't know who I was, well then, then I'm not Calgary-based. Like then you right. can be anybody. Like I have yeah. a couple of friends who are influencers who have focused more on like travel and like they don't want to be local. Well, mm-hmm. if they showed up somewhere, not that you need to know who anyone is, like we're not trying to be celebrities here, but you're not, you're not in the community. Like people don't connect with you because you, you're just on the internet, mm-hmm. which adds you to a huge list of other people that are, that are also just on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so interesting. Okay, let's talk about your podcast. So how did self-care Sunday, is it Sunday self-care? Self-care, self-care Sunday. Sunday. Self-care yeah. Sunday. How did that start? Did that evolve from you being burned out? Yeah, honestly. Um, so I left my startup and for three months I basically did nothing. <laughs> I moved to Montreal on a whim from the East Coast. Like I was living in New Brunswick for seven years and woke up one day and I was like, oh my gosh, done with the company, done with this city, done with everything in my life right now. I need a change. Moved to Montreal realized that I had no plan and kind of freaked out, uh, moved back home in with my parents in Olds, Alberta for almost three months, watched a lot of Netflix, drank a lot of wine, (laughs) uh, was very sad. And in all of that, I realized that some of the best self-care had been just the conversations that I had with women in my life about like all of these things that I'd gone through. So, you know, conversations with friends who had been divorced, talking about, you know, how it's okay to go through a breakup and you're going to get over it. Conversations with friends who had gone through uh, mental health challenges and what they did to get over it. Conversations with women who had owned businesses and sold them and left. And all of these conversations became like the things that kept me going. And I was like, wow, maybe I should just start recording these (laughs) and like create a podcast because this is so helpful for me. And so I basically did that. I did structure it more than just like popping a microphone on the table. Um, But that's kind of where it started. And then it's really evolved like a lot since then. Um, I guess I've been doing it for like 10, nine months. I don't know, since February this year. Um, And I've started kind of talking more about politics and feminism and pop culture and all these different things and how it relates to my own self-care. It's been a pet project, so I took on sponsorship at the beginning and then I realized that I just wanted it to be something that was like a hobby and not a business thing so I could enjoy it more. Um, So I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but that's basically what it is for now. (laughs) No, that's awesome. I mean, I think podcasts are the... They've existed for a long time, but I think now they're like audio is becoming a thing. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good, it's an interesting space creatively because it's like just your voice. You mm-hmm. can't put a filter on it. You can't, you know, like it's it's very interesting. I really have enjoyed podcasting, so I'm sure since you're still doing it, yeah, that you have as well. Um, and are you also writing a book? I was like oh reading gosh. through your website. Yeah. <laughs> well, I started an ebook like a couple months ago about influencer marketing micro influencer marketing and this was when I first started getting into the space and I was like wow there's so many things that I feel I wish everybody knew and so I started writing this ebook and then the more that I wrote the more I realized that like things were changing so fast that I have to go back and like rewrite certain things about Instagram for example or certain features and then I got to the point where I was like I I feel like I know so much but now I know that I don't know that much so it's kind of on hold. <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know if I'm going to finish it. What I might do is publish it as like a series of like newsletters or something like that. Um, or maybe I will finish it and publish it. I don't know. But yeah, that's in the works. In the works. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what does a typical day look like for you now that you're a freelancer? Oh my gosh. Um, so I'm not a morning person at all. And my favorite thing about my mornings now is that I don't set an alarm clock. Like I don't think I've set an alarm for maybe a year other than the retreat, which <laughs> was hell for me waking up at six, but it's okay. Um, so I literally just wake up with the sunrise, I have cat snuggles in bed, I make coffee, I make breakfast, I do emails in my bathrobe with like a face mask usually, and then I'll try to get to like a cafe in the afternoon or the library. I spend probably like 50% of my workday researching and auditing and analyzing influencers and putting together like pitch decks for brands or reporting on campaigns that I've done. And then the other 50% of my day is like answering emails, scheduling Instagram posts, creating content calendars for brands. Um, And I usually work pretty late, like 7 or 9 p.m. because I don't like working early in the mornings. I would rather work at night. And yeah, I try to like meet up with cool people and do stuff like this. One thing I love about being a freelancer is the flexibility, like you said before. So you know I don't have to clock in anywhere um I'm going to LA this week and I can just like work from LA like it's the best it's the best life (laughs) agreed (laughs) um and how do you disconnect so you're all about self-care so what are some of the your main go-to for that like listening to podcasts which I guess is still being connected but I find it's so different than spending time on Instagram or consuming video like, my eyes literally hurt after a work day of, like, being on Instagram all day. And sometimes I find, like, I'll try to relax with Netflix and it's still too much stimulation. So just, like, having the audio is one of my favorite things. I listen to a lot of, like, political podcasts, especially, like, U.S. politics, which for a lot of people is not self-care. <laughs> but for me is, like, my ultimate self-care. Like, I've had a good day if I can get in an hour of political podcasts at some point. Um, And I also love reading. Uh, My sister just started at the University of Calgary this year, and she's an English major, so I'm reading all of the books that she's (laughs) reading, and it's, like, the best. It's my favorite thing. That's amazing. And then you read, like, the actual book. Yeah. So that you don't Yeah, it's an actual book. Yeah. 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 Crazy. I know. I know. It's such a good feeling, though. Um, Do you have any of the podcasts or books or other resources that you would recommend to listeners? Oh, okay, so favorite book of all time is 1984 by George Orwell, which is like super relevant right now, but also coupled with A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. If you've never read that, read those two together. That's really great. Um, I, re- I read Sapiens this year, uh, last year maybe when it came out. Uh, that was really good political podcasts I listen to a lot of like so I'm a liberal but I listen to a lot of conservative podcasts because everybody in my life is pretty liberal uh so I started listening to like the Rubin Report uh which interviews a lot of like libertarian U.S. Republican uh pundits and figures and I find that super interesting because I would never listen or hear from those people unless I was listening to that So that's what I try to do is like challenge myself to listen to things that are outside of my little liberal bubble. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And where can people find you? At Kaylee.e, K-A-Y-L-E-Y dot E on Instagram, Kaylee Reed, R-E-E-D dot com, and at Self Care Sunday on Instagram and iTunes. Amazing. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for sitting down. That was awesome. Thanks.